0: Quarterly Report, this is my host, Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 202. Shout out to DEC, 202 in the house. I, of course, am your host, Armand Lee, thanking each and every one of you all for rocking with me again this week as we head to another amazing weekend, hopefully for you all, an amazing sports weekend for sure. It's one of the best times of the year for sports fans as the NFL season is going on. Baseball is in their playoffs. Hockey and basketball are getting set to start. And it's always dope when we have a fight weekend. And we are so much in store. We have so much in store on all those different topics. Upcoming this week on the show, naturally, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3. We are going to preview the, the third and hopefully, final fight in this trilogy between uh the two heavyweight superstars of the world that's gonna be in our fourth topic, and also Urban Meyer. Man, what a week for buddy! However, I'm going, I'm not gonna shoot him bail, but I have a question about our outrage as it pertains to Urban because something's not adding up. His personal life got put on Front Street, and don't get me wrong are issues and their concerns to be had about him as a head coach in the pro ranks. But why is the outrage for this greater than some of his transgressions in the past? We're gonna get deeper into that topic as well. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. I have to be honest with you all. You know, last week we talked about, I guess my frustration <clears throat> my disappointment uh, and you know in, in many ways my anger with a lot of NBA players in regards to their anti-vax position and it's important that while we understand that the majority apparently the vast majority of NBA players are vaccinated there is definitely still a, um, a vaccine hesitancy if you will and it doesn't matter, honestly, the way the NBA... I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but relatively speaking, right? If LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and the, the biggest faces in the sport are either A, anti-vax, B, skeptical of the vaccine, or C, mum, like very, very quiet. I think like in terms of big, big names, Dame Lillard... And Giannis Antetokounmpo, they were the most vocal, at least from what I have been able to gather, in terms of being an advocate for the vaccine. So you may be asking yourself, man, Armand, what are you talking about? You talked about this last week. I have to be honest again, right? I had to think long and hard last week after the show. I saw some of the responses and then just continued to read about this. And then LeBron made another statement. And I have to be real with y'all, bro. It really had me thinking about the, the position that a lot of these athletes have and that we as a myself, let me just speak for myself. I started to really feel conflicted about praising and wanting a lot of these athletes to have this large platform. And when I say conflicted, I like to be consistent. If if there's one thing that I try to be, I try my best to be consistent because if there's no consistency to your argument, to your logic, to your thought process, well then you you just kind of move whenever the wind blows. Have some principles, right? And, and be solid in your positions. Obviously, right, we're all going to carry biases. And obviously, when something happens directly to us, it's going to influence our position. But if you can keep yourself as solid as possible in your positions, I do believe, not to mean that you can't ever allow evidence and data to sway you, but in terms of integrity, right, in terms of beliefs, I do believe it's important to be consistent. I bring all of that up because in the past, obviously, if you've listened to this podcast, if you know me, if you followed any of my tweets, you know, I have been an advocate for a lot of these players, any player, honestly, in terms of advocating for equality, using their platform, using their voice to express themselves as it pertains to equality, inequality, social justice, whichever you want to do, right? Right. But I can't pick and choose, or at least I'm struggling. There is a part of me, if I'm being completely honest, last week and listening to stories this week, there was absolutely a part of me that was like, man, these guys don't really need to be talking. They need to shut up. In other words, and I never said this, I never thought this, but there is a, 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 the honest part of me was like, dog, you're basically saying shut up and dribble right now. I'm basically telling these athletes the same thing that we ridicule those on the right the last two years when it came, or more years when it came to the NBA, definitely when it came to Kaepernick and other players who followed his lead. If I'm being honest with everyone, I found myself last week and a bit this week looking at some of these stars, superstars. They're not, you don't even have to be a star. Jonathan Isaac's not a star. Michael Porter Jr. is not a star, right? I wouldn't consider Andrew Wiggins a former number one overall pick, but I wouldn't consider him a star. I'm looking at these guys and saying, from LeBron on down, man, y'all bavis need to shut up. Kyrie, shut up. Bradley Bill, what are you talking about? Shut up. And if we're going to keep it all the way funky, there really is no difference. Well, I believe there's a difference, but this is maybe my bias again coming out because obviously this is my position. But if you strip down so much, there are, there isn't that big of a difference between those who have a different political uh, viewpoint than myself saying this about other topics, right? So as this idea keeps going through my mind, I'm honestly thinking like, whoa, does that make me a hypocrite? You know, obviously we saw the tweets where Ted Cruz was shouting out Bradley Bill and Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Isaac and, and, and those who who feel they, the way about Ted Cruz the way I do. They're like, hold on, man. You can't play at both sides. You never, ever, ever wanted to listen to basketball players. You told them to, you know, shut up, stay focused on the court when it came to off the basketball, stick to sports, right? You were the one who said that, but now all of a sudden you're celebrating these guys because you agree with this particular stance. And when I say agree, that's air quotes, right? Because Ted Cruz is vaccinated. It's a political point to score. But again, if we're going to be honest and we're going to keep it all the way funky here, the same can be true for me. When the NBA players talk about things that I agree with, I salute them. Oh man, use your platform. Voice, use your voice. Give your opinions, talk about your experiences, talk about your police when it comes to equality or inequality, when it comes to racial disparities, when it comes to trying to improve black and brown communities, when it comes to speaking up for women and women's rights, do it, do more. But the moment these players say something that I disagree with, I'm like, yo, shut up. Many of us are like, shut up. Now, I can try to to argue my point like, hey, man, and and I do believe this is true. LeBron, Kyrie, Bradley, Bill, these guys, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. When they talk this anti-vax, they they talk this talk, and when they take this position, this is not hyperbolic to say they're going to cost someone, probably multiple people, their lives. That's how powerful their platform is. LeBron James can get up there, and even though he is vaccinated, He's like, man, I have to do my research and everybody's body, that's a, the personal decision. And I'm like, come on, bro. And it disgusted me. It disgusts me. But if I want athletes to use their position and their voice and to use their platform to share their opinions and their thoughts, I kind of have to take the good and the bad, right? Or... And this is what I've been conflicted with. Maybe they shouldn't. And I know you guys are probably listening to me and looking at me crazy, but like, this was the debate in my mind this entire week, this last week and a half. Because up until this point, yeah, LeBron, talk. Use your platform. Use your voice. But it can't be only when I agree with you. Like, if I'm only happy when you say stuff that I agree with, well, then I'm no different than fucking Ted Cruz. Now, again, I think that there's logic behind. Like, I can sit here and explain to you why I believe this. And again, I do believe that this recklessness, I I believe there is a responsibility when you do use your voice as someone like LeBron or Bradley Bill or Kyrie Irving, people who literally worship you. There is a burden of responsibility. There is a burden of, you know, being thoughtful. And a you, you have to have, you have to make sure you are precise with the words you use, for sure. But then, right, some of these guys will say something that I do agree with and though, like, I, and then I will say, well, I don't expect you to be a, to have a master's in sociology and, and to have a, 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 a in-depth uh, understanding of all the racial dynamics or policing in this country. But that's the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy coming up again, right? Right. Like when I agree with you, well, yeah, you don't need to be an, a scholar or an expert on this topic. Share your opinion, use your voice, share your experiences. But when it's something I disagree with, then I'm like, Oh, well, educate yourself. And again, if I'm being honest, that's a nasty look. For someone like myself who prides myself in being consistent, that's a nasty feeling to have. And I've been been real troubled. I've been real conflicted this past week thinking like, and I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like saying it. I don't like saying it. But the thoughts have absolutely crossed my mind. I'm thinking, well, man, Maybe Will Kane and the like were right. Maybe these guys shouldn't be talking. Because I don't like having it being like doing something halfway. I don't want to be one of these people who are like, hey, yo, when I agree with you, continue to do it. But when I disagree with you, shut up. That's a nasty position to take, in my opinion. And I don't want to be that person. So it's either I have to be comfortable with these guys saying this stuff about anti-vax when... I know the, va- the the overwhelming number of people who are going to be negatively impacted by LeBron, Bradley Bill, Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, are going to be people who look like me. And as someone who loves my community and loves my people, I can't have that. I'm like telling. I feel like yo, you're wrong for saying these things. You guys haven't done the research. You guys have been irresponsible with your words and your platform, even though, like LeBron, you are vaccinated. It's not just about the people who are vaccinated. It's the people who, And I, look, I'm, I'm all for mandates. If you don't want to do it, but you know, you, you're kind of forced to, hey, better good, right? I, I do believe in that. But if you're going to get vaccinated like Draymond Green and still speak this foolishness, then I'm like, man, you guys are doing danger. You are literally costing people their lives, in my opinion. And again, I don't say that flippantly. I genuinely believe that. But I can't honestly sit here and say, yo. Doing that is wrong. Because I disagree with you. Talk about the stuff that I like. Talk about the stuff that I agree with you on. And we can get into the the, the you know the, the, the layers of this, right? Because all of this has tentacles of racial inequality. We talked on it last week. But I do feel a way about wanting to silence NBA players when I disagree with them, because I absolutely disagree with the the, the, the aforementioned players who have spread this kind of foolish, anti-vax, uh, dangerous, potentially deadly uh, position about their vaccine hesitancy. But I absolutely want them to continue to be advocates about other issues that I align with. And for obvious reasons, that's hypocrisy. I know in this world, very little, very few things, as to say, are all or nothing. And nuance is real. Nuance is important. And the ability to say, yes, this generally is important. However, right, those are very important keys and and notes to hit. But I do believe in this position, in this particular instance, we do need to have a a more flushed conversation conversation about athletes but celebrity in general because like this influencer society that we now live in it's dangerous right for real we want celebrities to lead the way in so many different positions when we know that many of them if not most and i'm generalizing here forgive me but when it comes to entertainers, actors, musicians, athletes, etc., they may not be cut for leadership. So do we want to really have them use their voices? Like, because look, it becomes an integrity thing, right? There is something about saying, hey, no matter what you believe, you have a platform music and if we're speaking of integrity right and i like to hold myself to the standard of having a lot of it i feel like that should come without a caveat if you genu- if you genuinely feel athletes entertainers musicians should express themselves however they feel about the issues that matter most to them you can't have an asterisk there. Or at least, I don't know, maybe you can, but I don't know. I didn't, It doesn't feel like it, it, it sounds right, right? Like, ask yourself, do you feel comfortable saying, yo, I want athletes or entertainers to express themselves about issues that, that, that mean a lot to them. I want athletes and entertainers to express themselves Share their thoughts about issues, important issues, no matter, not just sports. You don't want your athletes to stick to sports, excuse me. You don't want your entertainers to stick to music or movies or TV. You want them to express themselves. But are you willing to have that same position even if it goes in the face of things that you don't believe? Are you comfortable with LeBron James using his platform for racial injustice and inequality and racial justice, excuse me? Right, and women's rights and LBGTQ plus rights. Are Are you fine with that, but do you also feel like he should be able to express himself freely about things that you may not agree with him on? particularly in this instance, the vaccine? Or do you feel like, hey, only use your platform for things that I agree with, because that feels nasty, y'all. And if LeBron, Kyrie, guys who have led Bradley, Bradley Bill did so much good in terms of using his voice, getting out the vote, Getting people trying to get people aware about the political world, trying to get people registered, like all of these things. He did. I'm not trying to take anything away from Bradley Bill. Y'all know how I feel about him on the basketball court, but I'm talking about as a man. I don't want this to come across like I'm killing Bill, and Bill's never done anything well. Or y'all know how I feel about LeBron and even Kyrie. So Brad, we we praised him for using his voice on things that we agreed on. But the moment he says something that we disagree on, we're killing him. Public enemy number one. So my question is, yo, is that cool with you? Do you feel okay? Do you not feel conflicted at all? Do you want athletes to use their voice and their platform? Or do you want them to only use it when you agree with them? And I guess maybe the third option, and this is something that I genuinely struggled with this week, something that I asked myself. If you are uncomfortable saying, hey, athletes, only use your voice when I agree with you. Only use your platform when it's aligned with my sensibilities. If that bothers you the way it bothers me. Well, the third option is, well, do you think athletes probably should, for lack of a better term, just stick to sports? It's a nasty situation out here, man. You either got to be comfortable with the good and the bad. Look at yourself as some type of supremacist right? and have people only give people the opportunity to use their voice when it aligns with what you believe. Or just say, hey, yo, maybe this isn't right. Y'all should probably just we probably shouldn't look to you for leadership in social or health issues. I'm genuinely curious about how you guys feel on this tape because I don't have an answer. I I can say I wish that I was more aligned with option A, right? Hey, I want you to l- use your voice, use your platform. And that means whether I like what you're saying or not, go for it. You have that right. I'm not going to say right cuz we all understand they have the right, but you are comfortable with them doing that. And I got to say I'm not comfortable. I wish I could say that as a man of integrity, That was the position that I could take. But man, I really feel a way about what LeBron, Draymond, and Kyrie and and the likes have done these last two weeks. I really do. And I'm not here to say that athletes shouldn't speak. I'm not here to say that at all. Because I don't want to be on it. Because then it's like, well, well, then who has the right to speak? Who is equipped to speak on all of these different things, right? None of us are. But I also don't want to be the person to say, yo, use your voice, but only when I agree with you. But if you had between those three options, where do you align? I really want to hear from you all because maybe you can help me find out my answer because I don't know. Honestly, I do not know, but I want to hear from you. Email me at quarterly at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R. L-E-E show. I may put this on a poll on a Twitter uh, my Twitter site, man, because on my Twitter feed, excuse me, because I, I, I struggled this week. I really did. I really did struggle. And I don't know if there... I, I don't believe there's a right answer. Because, again, this misinformation that a lot of these guys are spewing is... It will cost people their lives. Absolutely will. And when it comes to research, it's hard... To listen to to Kyrie Irving and Draymond Green, these are guys just a handful of years ago who went on and used their platforms to say that the earth was flat. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's hard to take these guys seriously when they they talk about their research. But I don't know. It's like they say, it's the good with the bad. And uh, I really am stuck. This is something that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this week and... If this quarter kind of seemed like it bounced around, it's because even as I was talking to you all, I'm still trying to come to grips with what position I am going to take. But I'm going to I'm gonna look at some of your guys' feedback. I, I, I really do hope you guys uh, engage in this because I am at a loss. I honestly don't know where I align myself with when it comes to these three options. So I do look forward to seeing where you guys stand on that. All right, guys. That's the end of the first quarter, but man, there's still so much more, and we talked about the NBA and their players and their stars off the court, but we're going to transition a bit to how the league will now be covered off the court, as ESPN has made another line of huge changes to their NBA product. I've got my thoughts. Hear them. And our second topic this week. Second quarter. The NBA season is quickly approaching. It's, it's so crazy. It feels as if the finals just happened. I, I remember watching Giannis go nuts. And the debate. And how quickly that shifted. Right, The first two games. Oh, Giannis is overrated. Then Giannis has one of the greatest finals performances of all time. Including game six. It feels as if it literally just happened. But. I guess this is the way the NBA moves now, right? We are the preseason has already started, and the regular season starts like in two weeks. <laughs> it's it's a bit insane when you think about it. But beyond beyond the on the court predictions, uh, prophecies, expectations, there will be plenty of time to get into that. The way the league will be covered, particularly with one of their uh, top partners in ESPN, will drastically change again. ESPN has reported that their NBA countdown crew is undergoing another change. And obviously we knew that something was going to happen uh, with the, uh, the departure, if you will, of Rachel Nichols. Uh, but they're going into a different way, uh, a different lane. Different than what we thought. I'm sorry, not Rachel Nichols, but uh, Maria Taylor. Maria Taylor led the NBA coverage on ESPN in terms of pre and post. Now, it's going to be led by Mike Greenberg. He will be the host. Stephen A. Smith apparently has car, full Car blanche in Bristol as his quote-unquote dream big three will also be featured heavily on the uh, ESPN uh, coverage of the NBA. As Michael Wilbon and Magic Johnson will have prominent roles in ESPN's coverage as well as Jalen Rose, uh, Kendrick Perkins, and Adrian Wojnarowski will continue his kind of reporter stuff because, of course, he will. He's a huge asset to one of the in, uh, or uh, one of ESPN's largest properties. That's a lot, right? That's a that's a mouthful going down the road of trying to explain what it is, right? My thoughts on the matter are kind of all over the place, but I'll try to make it as clear as I possibly can. And the biggest takeaway from this new announcement from ESPN is that they still have no fucking clue how they want to and how they should cover the NBA. Now, I want to be fair. I want to be very fair. They have not started. They have not started. And they could absolutely shock me, shock the world. I mean, they have new voices. Michael Eaves will be doing stuff on Wednesdays, I believe. So the I forget the young, I've, I don't know how to pronounce the young lady's name. She's a WMBA player, was on Chinway Chin and Golik. She's now doing ESPN coverage. Please forgive me. I do not, I don't want to mess up her name. Uh, Malika Andrews will also be featured as well as, uh, like I said, Kendrick Perkins, but Michael, or Mark Spears, excuse me. These people will also have roles in the latest capacity. But again, it's too early. It's very early. And this could absolutely surprise me. It 100% could. And let me do this. I like Mike Greenberg. I really like Mike Greenberg. I know that's crazy. Some of y'all feel a way about that. You feel he's vanilla, whatever. That's fine in a world where everybody's trying to have spice and everybody's trying to have all this flavor. I like Mike Greenberg. I don't think he he doesn't jump out there very, he doesn't jump out there crazy. He's informed. He knows what he's talking about. He's uh, self-deprecating in a way that's not overly, you know, it's not too much, but it's done with just the right amount. Uh, I think he's funny. uh, He's smart. I I like Greeny. And again, this could be me. Heading toward my 40s, right? This is this is what I like. I liked them on Mike and Mike. Mike and Mike was a vanilla show, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I like Get Up. I think Get Up. The one the one thing I can watch on ESPN, outside of an actual game, is get up. That's like the only thing I can watch. And even then I have to turn it off a bit. But I do like the conductor role that Granny plays. Stephen A, you know, shout out to the brother, man. Again. I'm not gonna knock him. It's not for me. You can't question him as a reporter. But the the that style, that's not that's not that's not, my, that's not my that's not my that's not my that's not my alley. You feel me? It's not my lane. This is where things get a little bit interesting, in my perspective. Michael Wilbon used to do NBA stuff on Countdown, like. The Countdown team has changed so much in like eight to ten years. Wilbon was on there earlier. I mean, he's been on there. God bless the dead. He was there when Stuart Scott was there. They made a change. Then they brought Michelle Beadle on. I thought that it was an improvement because we are definitely going to get to who she whose role she took. Beadle, I'm speaking of. But, you know what, let's just do it this way. God bless the dead. Stuart Scott had it. Right, we know what happens. ESPN fucking had Sage Steele and Bill Simmons. Hear me when I say this. ESPN thought it was a wise idea. Now, hindsight is 2020, but at the moment at the time, and again, I've known I I wouldn't say I currently know her. I worked with Sage. I know her. I knew her. I knew what time it was. She wasn't an NBA fan. She just wasn't. Good people at the time. She's on some wild, crazy shit now. And she probably was on that there. I just didn't know it. But imagine someone saying, yo, Bill Simmons and Sage Steele, Let's have them lead our NBA coverage. So naturally, that was a failure. <laughs> so Michelle Beatle took over from Sage. And Bill left. Beetle, much more of an NBA fan. I think a much better host. Right. She improved it, but they didn't know what they were trying to do. It was Beatle, Will Bond and Magic. Magic Johnson, God bless the man, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Uh, hugely successful businessman. Um, philanthropic. I mean, just, the man is, is a, a, a truly a living legend. I, I wish I could be in the meeting where they decide to let the man who the entire sports world laughs at because of his incredibly boring and obvious tweets. Like seriously, magic tweets and either he's the greatest troll of all time or he's got so much fucking money, he doesn't care. (laughs) And the man will tweet the most benign, talk about vanilla there's nothing behind his tweets so whose idea is it that in the world now where people are building brands because of their online personalities that we are giving a 60 a man in his mid 60s who clearly doesn't give it up on twitter the platform for your second largest property are you serious? I don't understand the logic of all the people. Now, look, I definitely feel, right, that the NBA specifically, but I, I want to say most, most sports leagues, defi- definitely uh, a large number of media outlets, they overplay what happens on Twitter. Reed Thompson, I've talked about this in the past, but Reed Thompson Phenomenal writer at ESPN. Uh, he, years ago, deleted his Twitter. And the the logic behind it, and I'm paraphrasing here, but there, if you Google Reed Thompson and Twitter, it's all over the place, right? This isn't some secret. He's very vocal about his, um, I don't want to say disdain, but his his opinions on Twitter. He's saying, look, Twitter doesn't move the needle. Twitter doesn't, like, you don't create revenue off of Twitter. You create revenue off of Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Right. Like those are the places if you want to make money. You can do that. You can build your brand up on Twitter, but Twitter, the risk reward, right? You can literally lose it all if you say something outlandish or wild or someone pulls up an old tweet or something like that. Like the risk on Twitter is you could say something really, really stupid. And the reward is maybe you become Twitter famous, but you don't really move the needle like other social media outlets. And he's 100 percent right. You ask any of these content creators, they're all heading over to TikTok. They all have a YouTube channel. Right. And obviously, Facebook is and, you know, I don't even have a Facebook account. I don't understand it at all. But Facebook is the thing like you can make so much money on all these other platforms. Twitter, again, at its core, is a phenomenal news resource. But all of these other things, I think media companies, the NBA, they've made the mistake that, hey, this is doing well on Twitter. This is going to do well in the world. And that's just not the case. So I do believe that, sure, have some type of, you know, guarded uh, perspective when it comes to just throwing money at someone who's famous on Twitter. But throwing money at Magic Johnson in 2021 to be one of the lead voices on your NBA platform Where these kids, the NBA is so phenomenal in terms of social engagement. And I don't know how to to read it. I don't know how to, clearly not to monetize it, but I don't know how you study it. People who are far more uh, intelligent in the matter are making so much more money on telling companies how to use these social media outlets as a uh, resource. I will say this. As a league, the NBA gears far more toward younger voices, younger minds, younger eyes. That's what the league is. To go against the grain and say, we're bringing in well and magic. With Greeny leading the charge, that's, I just don't see how that works. And again, I remember this isn't me just spewing hot air. I remember i'm in bristol at the time and i'm interviewing for this nba position like this nba producer position and this is has to be at this point like 10 years ago or so and i'm talking to these two guys and i'm thinking i'm doing a good job and they're asking okay well go through my resume and all this other stuff so like, oh, well how would you change it and this is so long ago mark penn was still on the espn broadcast and i was like hey man you guys have to embrace analytics. I'm not saying that you have to go all in. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know how I feel about analytics and advanced statistics. But I was like, yo, you. at some point, you are, you're going to have to make this move. And you have, you know, the trade machine. The trade machine is this amazing internet property that you guys have. I would showcase that shit off all the time. And there was a period, it wasn't. I'm I'm not going to take credit for it, There was a period a few years later where they started to have the trade machine on more and more, but it's not nearly as much as it should be. You talk to any NBA fan, so much of what is captivating with the NBA is the offseason, the moves, the trades, understanding the cap. So many people who follow the NBA have no idea about the cap. So many people who follow the NBA are all about PPG. However, look at all of the NBA podcasts that do well. It's very few are the up and smoke type of shows. The vast majority of them are the Zach Lowe's of the world. The people who are bringing numbers to the game, young audiences, these guys, they like the numbers and the NBA and the powers that be, they keep on trying to, to prevent this natural evolution that will happen at some point, plant the flag, take, take ownership of it. You think Magic Johnson and Michael Wilbon are going to break down, you know, wind shares? What are they going to do? They're going to do the same thing that Charles Barkley and Shaq and Kenny do, but they're going to do it at the D-minus level. Inside the NBA is truly the gift and the curse of NBA coverage because everybody wants to do that, and no one can do it. So you get all of these fake inside the NBA voices and shows trying to be funny, trying to out-humor you, bringing in all of these former players, God bless them, who all sound the same, trying to get catchphrases. Shaq had Underdog put that on the t-shirt. Kendrick Perkins, carry the hell on. All of these things, like, wh- what are we doing? Honest question. Does Mike, and I and again, I like Green, but does Stephen H. Smith, Mike Greenberg, Michael Wilbon, Magic Johnson. Does that make you want to watch a pregame show? Jalen Like, God bless all of these dudes. I'm fans of all of them. God bless them. Much success. They're all successful in this field already. Legends. But it's time for something new. Think of all of the people who do work at ESPN. All of the talented voices that they have. Think about what they could do. I remember when they had the bucket show, right? With Worldwide Wobbies, not on ESPN anymore. And Casty, these this was a fun show, and, and you you engage it and you do it in a different manner. You put that online, bong. That was fun. That was different. You got all of these number minds, and I'm not saying the whole show has to be based on numbers, but have a presence. You can't just throw Zach Lowe as if he's the end-all beat, like he's the grand wizard behind the curtain. Bad terminology, not grand wizard. The, he's the wizard behind the curtain. Y'all know what I'm saying, the Wizard of Oz um, metaphor, or analogy. But we're going with Mike Wilbon, phenomenal reporter. And again, I think Wilbon would do great with these essays, have him do these long kind of uh, one-on-one interviews, and then have him do like a deep dive Q&A out of it. I think that could be phenomenal. Because Wilbon, number one, loves the NBA. He's a historian when it comes to the league. And again, he's still passionate about it. And he's a phenomenal... I mean, fucking Michael Wilbon. He's a phenomenal interviewer. You know what it is. Feature him. Stephen A. Smith. Again, that style may not be for me. It's incredibly successful. But you are running the risk. And the ratings for first take have shown this, right? They went all Stephen A. Smith all the time. They removed Max, and the initial ratings are down. Again, you can't have ratings be your only governor. But if you, Stephen A. Smith has not bit his tongue. He's gone on every single outlet that you can have, and he said, I wanted Max gone. I wanted Max gone. I wanted Max Kellerman off first take. The ratings would be hurt by keeping Max Kellerman. Well, that hasn't shown to be true yet. And what you end up running the risk of Stephen A. Smith's world, right? On ESPN Plus, Stephen A. Smith Sports Center, first take, and now NBA coverage. You run, you run the risk of not just burnout from Stephen A, but burnout from your audience. If people turn off him, hey guys, you've built your entire Castle, your entire, you know, metropolis, your entire empire almost around Stephen A. Smith and the NFL. The NFL ain't going anywhere. Stephen A. Smith, people could run. You are running the risk that people get turned off because it's all debate all the time. I don't know how y'all still watch first take. And again, I'm not knocking the brothers. Shout out to Stephen A. Smith. He does a lot of dope things, phenomenal stuff with HBCUs. The one time I met him, man, nothing, I could never say anything negative about him. Hell me down, bro. But when we're talking about newer eyes in the NBA's audience, I don't know if that's the move. Not to, not to mention, you've tried Magic before. You've tried Will Bond before. Why are you doing the same thing over and over again? Again, when you look at the NBA podcasts that do the best, well, what do we know? Young people love podcasts. The overwhelming majority of people who listen to my podcast, which is an independent podcast, I ain't trying to act like I'm this huge thing, but like 67% of my audience are between the ages... Of 18 and 30. The overwhelming majority of people who listen to this show. And I don't even go as hard on analytics as I would like to, but I go probably harder than a lot of others, right? There is an audience out there that is hungry for this type of stuff. And look, you can make the argument, and I believe it was Dragonfly Jones on Twitter who did. Young people ain't gonna watch TV. You can make the case that TV, at over-the-air, linear television, it is what it is at this point. And at some point, it's going to evolve and pass on, like FM radio and AM radio stations, right? It's it's just a thing of the past now. Or it's transitioning to become a thing of the past. Young people, they stream everything. Everything. Cable's expensive. Young people ain't got no money. What do they do? Stream. Everything. Tablet, laptop, phone. That's just real. That's just how Bama's get down now. So, you, Dragonfly Jones is making the point with the Manning cast, right? You don't have Eli Manning and Peyton Manning on your ESPN two broadcast to get young people. You have them for the old Bama's, old Bama's like myself. Hey, I remember when Peyton did this and just relive the the glory years, if you will. Well, you can make the argument that this is their counter programming for the basketball world. Magic Johnson is significantly older than Peyton Manning. <laughs> so I don't know how how smart that is. And the NBA skews much younger than the NFL does. So I don't know how wise of a decision that is. However, maybe this is their counter-programming. I don't know. We have to wait and see. But when everything started to shake down at Espen, when it came to their NBA coverage, I looked at it as like, man, they have an opportunity here. Malika Andrews is hosting the jump. You could give you could do more with your countdown crew. You could shake, you could strip down this kind of tired same old same old talking stuff. With the same tired former players saying the same tired form, you know, talking points. But they did the complete opposite and I don't know what the the strategy was. I don't know what the logic is for that. We'll see. But trust and believe. I know Adam Silver could not have been happy with the Rachel Nichols story and the Maria Taylor story happening right before the start of the NBA Finals. I know with all of the stuff that's going on in ESPN, I talked about Sage earlier. ESPN, they don't know how to, they can't get out of their own way. They don't know what they want to be. And they keep on stepping on the, they keep on stepping on their own foot, putting their foot in their mouth. They keep on getting in their own way. The NBA doesn't want to deal with that with their partners. You think it's a coincidence that Maria Taylor went to NBC? Newsflash, guys. Turner, they're gonna be fine. But when the NBA's next deal comes up. There're going to be more than more networks coming after it. ABC and ESPN have had their rights for quite a while now. I'll let you decide if you think they've been successful or not. But don't be foolish, trust NBC is coming. Wouldn't be surprised if Fox is coming. Just look around. Look at the contract. Look at the deals that are being given out of. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if an online. it's going to happen at some point. It may be a little bit too earlier in the stage now. But at some point, one of these online platforms will get rights to these professional leagues. Watch it. ESPN has tried to do this over and over and over again. And now they're doing it again. Let's see if they have better success running it back with Stephen A. and the crew. But truth be told, I have my doubts. Ah. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That means it is time for a halftime this week on the Quarterly Report. But before we get to halftime, just a few house cleaning notes. Again, make sure you email me at quarterlyreport@gmail.com at gmail.com or tweet at the show at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Get at me with anything you want to discuss. If you think I'm wrong about ESPN's coverage, maybe you are excited about Stephen A., Michael Wilbon, and Magic Johnson. If so, I want to hear from you. If you agree with me, I want to hear from you too. Or maybe you want to talk about something that I haven't even touched yet. All good, bro. Hit me up. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterlyshow. And remember, head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcast, leave a review just a few words a sentence or two letting the world know why you enjoy this podcast those things are so instrumental about getting eyes getting eyeballs and getting them promoted heavy heavily excuse me on the on the app and on the page so if you could do me that one favor I'd greatly appreciate it so I'm late to the party very much late but thankfully because of how dope my coworkers and colleagues are they put me on to the Wu-Tang show that comes on Hulu. Now, I know that they're now almost at the end of season two. I literally just finished season one probably about a week or so ago. I had no idea that the show was on, and I enjoyed the first season. So while everyone else is moving forward to the end of season two and how the Wu-Tang Clan buries all their beefs and starts to make music, et cetera, et cetera, I'm still, I still can't believe that Raekwon and Ghostface used to beef. It's it's insane to me when you see how close they've always been when they were in the public eye. This joint is nuts to me. So for those of you who do not watch, I strongly suggest, recommend And Again, I'm only halfway through. I've watched one season of this show that's almost finished its second season. But I I highly recommend checking out on Hulu. I believe it is uh, an American Saga of the Wu-Tang Clan or something like that, right? I just search Wu-Tang Clan and it pops up. But because I'm off in the spirit now, man, and and I'm I'm listening to some of these older songs, and you understand, I I mean, I'm not going to ever wear Timbs, but I got, I may maybe slip on some Wallabee, shout out to Ghost. I'm in the Wu-Tang spirit. So, of course, that means it's time to hit the name generator. And what better way to introduce new NFL players who are now just all of a sudden on new teams? It's been quite surprising. It's been quite surprising. But, you know, you want to leave the past in the past. So for all these new NFL players who are suddenly on new NFL teams, I've got a nickname for you. Thanks to those 36 champions. Check Yo, did you see this? Dog, the Cowboys released Jalen Smith <laughs> and the Packers picked him up. Whoa, what the fuck? What's going on, man? Hey, matter of fact, we ain't even finna call him Jalen Smith no more. New, new team, new beginnings, baby. Let's put him in a generator. Jalen Smith. Uh, now. Dog and Green Baby, he going by a Violent Assassin. Woo, Tang. Woo, Tang. Oh yeah, you come on, yeah, because you are dealing with Dot Masters. Mm-hmm. Yo, this is wild. Stephon Gilmore, the Patriots just decided to trade him to Carolina for like a seventh round pick. What? Stephon was like the man back like two years ago. I don't even understand it. Oh, what? All right, man. You in Carolina? Carolina on the mind. You ain't Stefan no more baby, you amateur assassin. Woo, Tang, Woo, Tang. And I like Rome. I think I might have <laughs> been there one time. Probably. With the wudo. though. Mm. Yeah, exactly, I've been to Slovenia and stuff like that. That's why I don't smoke no more. For real? Yeah. Damn, last time I saw Richard Sherman, he was trying to break down his, his father-in-law's home, bro. But now he playing with Tom Brady and them in Tampa. Shit, man, he can't even go with Richard. I uh, is 2021 and you like not 40, but your name is Richard. Alright, bro, we ain't even going by Richard Sherman no more now. Put him in the 36 chambers. He's going by Zexy artist. Zexy with a Z. You walk around the club with no shoes on, big ass beard that one day I might set that shit on fire. <sighs> NFL trades make no sense. Stefan Gilmore. Was traded for a seventh round pick. I don't understand how that's even possible—a seventh round pick for someone that good, that young, and what you would imagine is the prime of their careers. I don't know what went wrong in New England. And I, New England, and I—I I guess that story will be um, reported on or discovered at a later time. But that's crazy. That Carol. I mean, think about what Carolina has done. They got potentially their quarterback of the future for a third round pick, and then they get Stephon Gilmore for a seventh round pick. And the Packers, yo, maybe Aaron Wright is all. Aaron Rodgers is always right. I looked at that first week's game, and it was evident. It was clear. Aaron Rodgers did not give a fuck about that particular game. He wasn't invested. He's throwing up YOLO passes. It was wild. And since then, this motherfucker is back to being Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I guess it's a gift and a curse. You know, I, 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 I'm i reminded of the early 2000s Lakers. And Shaq would be like, you know, Shaq could come into the season. He's out of shape. He ain't. He's not making his free throws. He's not playing on defense. He doesn't care. They lose three games in a row. Kobe was a madman because Kobe was out there being maniacal because God bless the dead, that's what Kobe was about. But everybody else was kind of loafing. And he's like, oh, man, we'll turn it on when we need to. And sure enough, those motherfuckers did. (laughs) They won three in a row. It's wild, though, man, because as someone like myself, and I'm not saying this to be self-deprecating. This is genuinely the truth. I have never been naturally good at anything. And that's not to say that Aaron Rodgers, Shaquille O'Neal, these guys don't work tirelessly to be as great as they are. They clearly do. I'm going to get get on. I'm gonna get, talk about this later on when I talk about Deontay Wilder. But there's clearly such God-given ability. It's one of my things with the Randy Moss T.O. debate, right? Randy Moss was just blessed with so much God-given ability, take nothing away from what he did to earn and get himself to that position because he absolutely did work hard. But you could tell it was on like a grind. He's just really, really good. Aaron Rodgers is fucking great, and it comes, it looks to come so easy. And then when you watch him play against the, uh, the Saints, and then you watch him play since then, you can tell like there was a certain level of effort that was lacking in week one. And to me, that's so frustrating, right? It's so frustrating when you see guys who is like, it's one of the reasons why like certain players, like expectations obviously factor into it, right? Allen Iverson was so little and Allen Iverson clearly did not give a fuck about practice and clearly was a flawed NBA player. But he endeared himself to so many Because when you saw him play, you could tell he gave it his his all. He's running in, jumping into people. He's the smallest guy on the floor, didn't lift. And every night, he's going for it. Whereas you look at someone like James Harden. James Harden obviously is talented, but it it just doesn't feel like, uh, doesn't feel like he's really going for it all the time, right? Or the way he plays. It's just weird how we get down, we break that down. And I'm getting off on a tangent, but I look at Green Bay getting Jalen Smith. And again, there's so much clearly there. So much happened with Jalen Smith. Like, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know. There's clearly going to be more reports on this, but that's a hu- potentially, potentially huge move for Green Bay. So you look at the Panthers, they get their quarterback of the future, they get a, a One time looked upon as the best cornerback in the league. Green Bay gets Jalen Smith and (laughs) I don't ever want to hear the NFL talk about player safety again. Ever. I don't know what happened with Richard Sherman over the summer. And God bless that man. God bless his family. I hope he did get whatever help he needs. Because that was, you know, that's a disturbing potentially triggering uh video that we all saw i mean he's he's trying to fight his father-in-law trying to break in you can hear the screams from behind the door there was something wrong and then you know he lays low for a month and before you know it he signs with tampa and he's on the field now i'm not trying to you know speculate this is purely conjecture i don't know if it's mental health i don't know if it's emotional health whatever Something was wrong with Richard Sherman. And I don't know, two months doesn't feel like the necessary time to go from where we last saw him to where we saw him on, what, Sunday night football. <laughs> it's just, it just, I don't know, maybe there needs to be a little more thoroughness in regards to these men's and these these athletes' lives, right? Given the context of the dangers of playing in the NFL. That's just me. (laughs) But it's been a lot of movement in the NFL world, and it was kind of exciting these last two weeks or so with all of these signings and trades and releases. The aspect of the NFL that doesn't that what ten years ago didn't really happen as frequently as it does now. But hopefully you guys enjoyed halftime. If you are a fan of Wu-Tang, and look, shameless plug, but I'm not I'm not getting anything from Hulu or Wu Tang. If you like the Wu. Check out the Hulu series. It's pretty good. And again, I haven't seen season two yet, but I like season one. And it's an interesting story, obviously. But uh, check it out if you're a fan of The Killer Bees. Hopefully, you're still a fan of this show. Episode 202 is halfway over, baby. But no need to fret. We have two quarters left. And we're going to kick the second half off with a story about a coach who clearly bit off a little bit more than he can chew our third topic this week third quarter what can you say about urban meyer well actually you can say quite a bit which is why i'm devoting an entire quarter to him before we get to the controversy let's just state this we have seen this story play out before nick saban bobby petrino are the first to come to mind Bobby Petrino actually may be the more apt comparison, considering how his embarrassment, I know this didn't happen in Atlanta, but I know you guys all remember the infamous uh, Bobby Petrino press conference where he had the neck braced and his face was all bruised up because he was on his bike, which then later we found out he was riding with a, a mistress of some sort, but whatever, be that as it may We have seen in the past, the recent past, that phenomenal college coaches they decide, hey man, I want the challenge. It can't be because of the money, because you know, Robert Meyer was at Ohio State. Before that, he was at Florida. (laughs) You know, Nick Saban was at Michigan State, LSU. These guys are getting paid huge lumps, lumps of money. It has to be the challenge. Ego sprinkled in there as well. But this isn't going to work out. This isn't going to last. This has been an embarrassment for quite a while. I'm, I've moved in the Jacksonville area. The cons, God bless them. You know, you tried to, you figure, hey, man, we're going to get Trevor Lawrence. And let, let's do this. And this should have rang the alarm for everyone. I get why, from an owner and a businessman's perspective, you know, Jacksonville's not that far from Gainesville. Hey, let's try to reignite this kind of passion of Florida gator football because the gators are big down here. So, from a business standpoint, I get that idea, but at some point the football minds have to come in. And Urban Meyer he starts bringing the whole game together. I mean, failed college head coach after failed hot college head coach. All of these guys who did great things recruiting and running that early 2000, you know, 2010s, or I guess early 2000 Florida Gator squad. They've all tried to branch out on their own and they've all failed. Someone should have been like, ah, so they failed as head coaches. Why would we think they'd be successful as a professional coach of any sort? That should have been the first alarm. Then, Tim Tebow. And Lord have mercy, don't we going to get started on Tim Te- Oh! Damn it, I wish I had Tim Tebow right now with me. Damn. Oh. Devil, I haven't seen you in months. Thought I was finally living right, bro, and I got you all the way out of my life. The fuck are you doing? <laughs> nice try, Armand, but you love demon time way too much, don't you? <laughs> You'll never get rid of me. Touche, touche. All right, well, let's not waste any more time. Who am I playing devil's advocate for this time? I'm assuming <laughs> it's your boy Urban Meyer today i want you to play devil's advocate for my prodigal son urban meyer all right well you know what devil this is gonna be easy this is gonna be real easy bro because honestly if i'm being honest i don't have an issue with urban meyer in the video let me be specific right This When I first saw the video, my initial reaction was, hey, man, he's a grown man. This woman seems to be a grown woman. She's dancing now. I didn't check his hand at first. I'm at work, and one of my coworkers is like, hold on, man, you got to look at his hands. And then I'm like, okay. But at first, I saw a woman dancing on a man. Urban's chilling at the bar. Whatever, whatever. And she's dancing up on him, grinding on him. Every single man, every single woman probably has been at an establishment and had a woman or someone dance on you and you're comfortable. Again, this is before I saw the hand, whatever, whatever, right? These are my initial, my initial reaction, my initial impression on the video. And I was like, hold on now, man. We we, we kind of in a bit right now, right? Urban Meyer is an adult. This woman is an adult. He was off the clock. Like, he can live. I have no, I don't care what people do in their personal lives as long as they are not hurting anyone else or bringing pain or danger to themselves, right? Like, do you? Full disclosure, and the guy, you, you guys know this about me, I'm not a married man. I'm not gonna get too deep into my uh, my thoughts of marriage, but God bless the people. God bless anyone who is married, who's happily married, and who feels that marriage is for them. My only thing with this, and this is not to get off too much on the tangent, but I feel like in our society, every child, particularly women, right, they are groomed to think that, hey, we are all groomed to think you need to get married, you need to have children. As a father and someone who loves fatherhood, I can assure you, parenthood is not for everyone. And I think... As individually intelligent, as intelligent individuals, excuse me, we all can separate maybe our, our personal beliefs our religious beliefs and just separate that for a moment and say, you know what? Everybody probably isn't cut out to be a parent, right? I love being a father. I remember when my daughter was young and waking up in the morning, all kinds of hours of the day, the theater changes, she's crying with her, whatever, that didn't bother me. Like so much, and this may be something wrong with me as a, on a personal level, right? But so much of my identity is wrapped into my me being a father because I, I love being a father. I wanted, I want to be the best father I possibly can. And this is something that my family never pushed upon me. This is just something that I've noticed about myself even before I had my daughter. It's like, okay, this is something that I like to do. This is something I think is, I'm cut out for. It. And I hope there's only really one person who can speak to that. Right? And I hope that I'm doing her You know justice and doing what she needs to grow and to be the beautiful young lady that she's ultimately going to become. But again, enough about me. We all can understand, right? Everyone's not going to every, being a mathematician is not cut out for everyone. Being a politi- a politician is not going to be for everyone. Being a parent is not for everyone, right? So if you are to accept any of these things, at some point, you also have to think like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe marriage isn't for everyone. And look, God bless the Myers. I don't know what their marriage entails. I don't know if the wife is okay or it's maybe, it's, maybe they're cool with this. Look, man, anybody who's married, whatever you and your spouse agree to, do it. Because I know I couldn't. I know I'm not... The marriage type. I know that. So I'm not ever going to wag the finger anyone else or whatever anyone else does in their marriage. Urban Meyer gets out here and apologizes to us. I'm like, bro, you don't got to apologize to me. That's you and your family. That's you and your wife. And if she's cool with it, no one has any ground to stand on as it pertains to what you do. In your personal time. That's always going to be my MO. I'm not in the business of judging anybody's private life, anybody's sexual life. None of that, man. I'm not going to kink shame you. I'm not going to shame you for whatever. Bomb. Then you start seeing some of the reports. (laughs) Right? And then you start seeing that, okay, Urban Meyer didn't fly with the team after their tough loss last Thursday night to the Bengals. Nope. Ervin Meyer decides to go to Ohio in his own establishment and not fly back with the team. That? Now, again, you got to understand my timeline. And I'm not sure that when the video was released, all of this stuff had been known. But I'm also not going to assume just because the way I found out certain information is the way that everyone found out the information. But I'm going to walk you through my timeline. We see the video, and then a few days later, the reports come out that he didn't fly home with the team. To me, the biggest issue is that he did not fly home with the team. Not that he got caught going, you know, doing this thing with the old with the girl at the bar. I don't mean that doesn't mean anything to me. He's at a public establishment. It's his establishment which kind of gives you an idea about his leadership skills, right? If you get caught, someone filming you at your own spot, bruh, but that's the salacious, that's the sexy, that's the TMZ, the dirt page kind of element of all of this. The real concern is that he's not flying with his team after a loss. I don't pretend to know how regular this happens. I'm not even going to speculate on like giving out percentages. I just assume that doesn't happen very often. That's not to say Urban Meyer probably is like most coaches, I would imagine, at a bar with a young lady doing something that may or may not violate the the vows of their marriage. I was in D.C. when the video of Jay Gruden sent down high out of his mind or drunk out of his mind talking to a cheerleader came out back in uh when he was the coach of the Washington football the, the, the Washington football team and if you are naive enough to think I mean don't get me started on some of the stories I've heard about McVeigh. this is before he was married the stories I've heard about Dicka, right LaFleur like some of these guys Cliffs Kings but like come on bro like everybody's not bill belichick everybody's also on on a different end of things it's not tony dungy some of these guys have regular lives they just get paid a lot of money and they get to coach your favorite players in your favorite sport so by no point was i in fact i was actually kind of disgusted when i saw the outrage The inevitable outrage when people came after the video, the initial video. So when I break down this Urban Meyer situation, I kind of separate them, right? We can talk about the coach and as a coach, come on, we know what time it is. Grand opening, grand closing. (laughs) You feel me? Grand opening, grand closing. Buddy bit off more than he could chew. Let's just keep it funky. He probably, he definitely won't be back in Jacksonville next year. I don't know if he makes it throughout the year because now you're hearing the reports that the team, they're laughing at him, he's lost the locker room, and this is the problem, right? I have, again, I have no issue with you living the life in your personal and your private time, the way you best see fit. No one else can walk in anyone else's skin. You got to live the life that you feel best to do. You can't live your life for anybody else. You got to live your life for yourself. We only get one of these. But if you are spending your time as a coach preaching about family values and all this other stuff, if that's your angle, well then, yeah, you look like a fraud. And that becomes problematic and goes back to the issue of of your integrity and your credibility as a coach. Urban Meyer has no credibility as an NFL coach. I think that's pretty obvious. And again, I don't expect him to be back next season. And I do think that there's probably a chance that he doesn't come back this year. The only reason, the only saving grace is that you have a rookie quarterback and you want to make him as comfortable as possible. But that goes back to the entire point of hiring Urban Meyer. They hired him for a business standpoint, not from a football one. The foundation has been crazy. And this angers me more than anything. More than the fake outrage over the video. More than the hypocrisy that a lot of people probably who do cheat on their spouse, waving their finger on their social media platform about Urban Meyer potentially cheating. We don't know, but we can assume. The biggest thing I have, the biggest issue, the biggest complaint I have with all of this. Look at Urban Meyer's track record. Do y'all not remember all of the things that happened under his watch in Ohio State? He's got assistant coaches, beating women, sexual the reports of sexual assault and he's just urban Meyer got an NFL head coaching spot after all of this and I don't remember nearly the outrage then as I see now because he's standing with a woman grinding on him (laughs) we go all out for sizzle And completely leave the steak and vegetables to the side. This man. Just Ohio State alone. Just Ohio State alone. Look at the the last three years of his tenure at Ohio State. This man took a year or two off. And they got an NFL job. And nobody says anything. There's one 20-second video of him at a bar his own establishment in a public place not doing anything illegal this woman grinding on him and now all of a sudden it's this huge uproar look at our priorities look at our priorities look at the thing that garners the attention urban meyer should have never been an nfl head coach and the moment he brought tim tebow on to the the preseason roster should have let everyone know okay this is a joke This is for play, and y'all are wasting a year. I, unfortunately, have every Jaguars game on my television, on the CBS station, each Sunday. I can tell you, while they look better on Thursday, they don't really look like an NFL team. And again, it's so early in the season, four weeks in, who knows how they end. Maybe Urban Meyer shuts all of us up. Maybe. But if he does, that doesn't mean that from a credibility standpoint, he deserves the position that he has. And we haven't even talked about Florida. Y'all know what was going on down there. So why do we all think that this story with this woman at this bar is somehow more deserving of our attention and our outrage than the legit concerning things that Urban Meyer has been associated with throughout his entire, well, I shouldn't say his entire, but since he left Utah to go to Florida, there has been a rain, just a bit of trail of just negativity concerning behavior. Downright sinister behavior in Ohio State. But we celebrated that. Ooh, Urban Myers gets he gets his hands on Trevor Lawrence. Those, that, those were the conversations we had when he was first hired. Ooh, look at this, new toy. The whole game is nasty. And by no means do you hear this and should you take away from it that I am supporting Urban Meyer. Urban Myers is a dirtbag. Urban Myers is the trash. Trash. You feel me? But if you are only upset at Urban Meyer because a woman who's not his wife got real up close and personal with Buddy, or if you're upset that Urban Meyer didn't fly, I mean, look, it speaks to his, his priorities that he decided not to fly with his team. But why would you think that Urban Meyer should be a head coach, an NFL head coach? That will be my question. So if you're outraged because of the act of dancing with the woman who's not his wife, my question, if, you, if you're about his integrity and his principles, the, where the hell have you been when it came to Urban Meyer? That would be my question, to you. And if you're, you're outrage and your concern is over Urban Meyer not flying with the team and not being a head coach or NFL ready head coach, my then question would be well, yo, what you've been watching. What NFL coach would give Tim Tebow a spot at a position that he is not comfortable playing with? Don't care that he was cut early on. And I don't hate Tim Tebow, but dog, we just giving out passes now? Everyone has used this opportunity to look at Urban Meyer and dissect him and criticize him and ridicule him for his position as a man, his position as a head coach, his position and this team's position in the NFL. And all of those things are valid. But if you have failed to ever question those things before a 20 second video of a man dancing with another grown woman. I got to question your priorities as well. Well, 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 Armand. Great job defending one of my favorite Hellions. I see living in Florida, a.k.a. Hell's North Pole is paying dividends. See you next time, pal. (laughs) All right, man, let me know what you guys think about Urban Meyer, the NFL. Maybe the outrage over this. Maybe you want to critique how the woman was grinding. Maybe that's what you want to do. Hey, man, I'm all fair game. Be respectful with what you ask, but I do want to hear from you. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, three quarters are down. We are coming home, coming round, excuse me, the home stretch. And for our fourth and final topic this week, we're going to end it with the biggest event, in my opinion, this upcoming weekend. Starts Saturday night, and it's the third of third fight in a trilogy that has been pretty one-sided it's our fourth and final topic fourth quarter last week we discussed the um the heavyweight showdown between champion current champion Alexander Usyk, and former champion anthony joshua and i think it is important no matter what you feel about anthony joshua no matter what you feel about tyson fury no matter what you feel about deontay wilder we have seen Anthony Joshua lose two times now. Once in spectacular fashion, and then the other in a, a really phenomenal performance by Usyk. In both of these times that we've seen Anthony Joshua lose, he lost gracefully. Anthony Joshua has never made an excuse. Anthony Joshua has never blamed uh, his ring attire or his corner. There are legitimate critiques about Anthony Joshua's corner, particularly in this last fight. But he didn't say anything. Each time Anthony Joshua has lost, he sat down, answered all the questions, and said, yo, I lost to the better man tonight. He's very confident in saying, first in uh, in, in the Ruiz fight, excuse me, and then in the Usyk fight, I know how to beat you. I know how to beat this guy was a lot more confident in in his follow-up performance versus Andy Ruiz than I am currently. However, he took nothing from his fight, his opponent. He lost fair and square. And because he understood his defeat, he was able to bounce back, at least in the first time. We'll see. Time only tells what happens with Anthony Joshua next. The sad part is he has a rematch clause, Right? So this this waiting game between seeing these two, whomever comes out of this weekend victorious and the and Alexander Usyk we, we've got to wait to get a unification bout unfortunately and it feels like we've been doing this waiting game for the longest. However, I start this quarter off talking about Anthony Joshua, despite the fact that he has lost his titles, to have a juxtaposition with Deontay Wilder. For a year and a half, Deontay Wilder has made excuse after excuse after excuse as to why he was pummeled in the rematch early in 2020 versus Tyson Fury. Now, if you are not a boxing fan or consider yourself just a casual one, maybe you are not aware. However, Let's keep it funky. Deontay Wilder did not draw with Tyson Fury in the first fight. Fury put a clinic. And though he was careless, particularly in the 12th round, the 12th round speaks so much to both of these fighters. Deontay Wilder relies so much on his punching power, and he was able to connect. This is the thing that I don't understand when I hear, and look, Deontay Wilder has power in his right hand. He's got power in his left too, but game-changing power in his right. He could connect, and all of this stuff gets thrown out the window. If if, If Tyson Fury gets lazy, gets careless, and Deontay Wilder connects with a bomb, game could be over. But he connected with the bomb in the first fight in the 12th round when Fury was at his worst. Remember, he had one tune-up fight after having multiple years off and still was able to outbox. That's the worst version of Tyson Fury that we are going to see unless he has taken this fame, newfound stardom to his head. And that's completely possible. But it reminds me of when, you know, fellas, anybody could relate to this. When you're young and you've never approached uh, a girl before or never approached a guy before, right? And you're nervous because the 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 thought of rejection is almost paralyzing, right? The fear of being rejected is so large. So when you're first time trying to talk to a girl, you at least it was for me. I'm so nervous. And after a while, at some point, you're going to get rejected. And the first time you do get rejected, you're like, okay, that sucked. But all the other times where I wasn't rejected, it's clearly worth it. You've taken the bunch. You were stung, right? First time you're around bees and everybody's scared of bees and then you get stung by a being like, OK, that's a little painful, but it's not that bad. That's Scooby Snacks. Now I'm not going to be running around scared of bees all the damn time. I feel like that's a little bit what happened with Tyson Fury. There was all I mean, obviously, Deontay Wilder is a huge puncher and obviously he still has just earth shattering, soul crushing power. But Tyson Fury, at his worst, ate the punch. He got caught, flush. He ate it, and he got back up. Could have easily just stayed down. The fight it was at the end of the—it was the end of the fight. He got up, and not only did he get up, he then started to exchange with Wilder in the twelfth round in a fight that he would have already won had he just ran around for three minutes. It's a, I, I think there's a little bit like that. Oh shit, I took your punch. I took your best shot at my worst and I ate that joint. And then you saw what happened in the second fight. We all laughed. I know I did. I remember coming on this show saying Tyson Fury's easily going to win this fight as long as he doesn't try to exchange. Tyson Fury said, fuck that. He called his shot. He said, I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to stop him. And I thought, man, he's probably just joking. He's just throwing this out there, trying to play mind games. Nope, he was dead ass. He walked Deontay Wilder down, dropped him multiple times. Deontay Wilder didn't know what to do. We've had two different styles of fights. We've seen Tyson Fury at his worst. And I want to say we've seen Tyson Fury at his best. Deontay Wilder took the second loss, blamed someone in this corner, changed his corner, blamed Dyson Fury, blamed the ref, blamed his costume, blamed somebody spiked, spiked his drink. It was literally excuse after excuse after excuse. So what did he do? He changed corner, changed, stripped it down. But in this time, he hasn't taken any type of tune-up fight. It's all good to say you're going to work on your game. Deontay Wada's is in his 30s. I don't know if you guys have seen the clip of him quote-unquote working the body. It was so path- I don't want to say pathetic because it would tear my ass up, right? But I'm not a professional fighter. I damn sure ain't Tyson Fury. If Deontay Wada goes into this ring Saturday night trying to do the things that he has done in the videos that we've seen from his camp, Oh, my goodness. And there's so many Deontay Wilder fans out there, and I just don't understand it. I feel like from the beginning of this podcast, I have said Deontay Wilder has all the tools in the world. He just didn't give a damn. He didn't he didn't care to be great. I talked about this earlier in the show when when it came to Aaron Rodgers. Some people are blessed. Absolutely blessed with all the physical tools you would need, but they don't take it serious. Javante Davis, I love him. One of the most exciting fighters in the world. Javante can't make weight. I mean, this happened too many times. He struggles to make weight. So despite the talent that's clearly there, you have to question the dedication. Deontay Wilder was fighting nobodies and fat guys and all these old dudes you know Luis Ortiz fought him twice, Ortiz is a hell of a fighter nobody wants to fight him in the heavyweight division but guess what, both fights were the exact same Ortiz boxed circles around Wilder, Ortiz because he he does not clearly care about physical condition he tires down once he tires down he stops moving stops the head movement and Deontay Wilder clips him ends the night, just like that well what we've seen with two different fights in two completely different styles that even when Wilder does connect, it's not enough to drop Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is just such a huge man. And again, boxing is such that Deontay Wilder just needs to connect one more time. And that's clearly what he's banking on. He's just like, yo, I'm going to finish him. Don't think, I don't think for one second Deontay Wilder is going to try to come in with those body shots that he was practicing. And that he let everybody see. His head was down. He's doing haymakers. It's just the, te- the technical aspect is just not there. I'm going to see the fight obviously. And I can't wait to see it. But I feel like. We know how this plays out. I guess because Wilder has the power. There's always the question. Man, Will he just land one? But he's lost twice. I know the first fight was ruled a draw. Stop it. We know who won that fight. We know who won that fight. Tyson Fury won the fight. And then he showed why he won it. Because he beat Deontay Wilder's ass last February. Beat that man. Whooped his ass. <laughs> it was just a beat him down situation. Just non-stop. Just fists. This man was licking blood. It was nuts. <laughs> you understand? Why does anyone think it's going to be different this time? The third time isn't always the charm. Sometimes you just can't win. I played dudes in basketball before and, it, man, felt like I had them. Nope. Second time, okay, I'm going to try this. Nope. At some point, it just comes to your mind. Dog, I can't beat Buddy one on one. I just can't do it. I think we're there now with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. But as Chris Berman always said, that's why they play the game. This is why we have the fight. And hopefully after this weekend, we can remove all the BS, all of the political games, all of the red tape, and finally take the step that we've been waiting for for so long. Make that one step closer to having a unified world heavyweight champion. I can't wait to see how it all goes down, and you guys all know that I will be here next week to discuss every aspect of this fight. Make sure you join me on the Quarterly Report podcast, and to do so, you have to download and dis- and subscribe. Describe download and subscribe to the podcast. You can do so wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever else in between. We are there. Make sure you search q-u-a-r-t-e-r hyphen l-e-e report and while you're there it would be a great pleasure i'd be honored if you could write just a few words a sentence or two telling me telling your friends and telling the world why you enjoyed this podcast and my humble opinion the best sports podcast out if you could do that and give me five stars i would greatly appreciate that All right, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your fight night. Enjoy football Sunday. And if you're a baseball fan, enjoy the playoffs. There's so much stuff going on and we're going to be back here next Friday to cover it all right here on the Quarterly Report Podcast. See y'all then. Be safe.